0: all right welcome to the whitetail experience podcast it is peak color season almost here in the buckeye state fall vibes are going out big bucks are dying on cold fronts just none for us but uh we gave it a good solid try dustin did shoot a doe last week so that's a, a decent little start i uh don't think i've seen a deer from the tree stand yet um that's a normal protocol, I guess, for me. Dave's been doing some hunting as well. Uh, should get everybody together soon and get caught up. But if you're going to buy any custom gear, enter code W-E-X-P at checkout. This podcast is solid. It is with a buddy of mine, Jake Hofer. You may know him from the Exodus brand. Oh, I think he is their marketing director is his title. But he's on their podcast hosting uh, stuff on YouTube. But we are talking scrapes. We are also talking some higher-level deer hunting thoughts. Uh, We get into some muzzleloader chit-chat, the ability to close on a whitetail buck. But jakes it's just a good conversation, especially very timely this time of year. Appreciate you guys listening. Enjoy. All right, guys. With me on the phone and from his famous YouTube studio, (laughs) Jake. Jake, welcome to the podcast, my man. Hey, thanks for having me. It's not. Uh, it's just. a It's just a bedroom in my house. I'll be honest. It's nothing
1: too crazy. <laughs>
0: hey, you got a good mic. You got. You got headphones on. Uh, uh, people see the Exodus channel. They're gonna see the the, the space. Yep. Absolutely. Um, yep. But yeah, Jake. That is Jake Hofer for anyone just listening. Um, Exodus man. Uh, land podcast man. Um, what else are you do, doing these days besides hunting in those two outlets? uh my whole life is designed around deer land and
1: marketing that's pretty much my 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 three core things obviously my wife and my family but those are uh professionally every day is dealing with land deer or marketing
0: all right i'm gonna throw a curveball to start this podcast jake you are probably one of the most productive people i know what is a quick productivity hack that that is maybe a go-to of yours or, or a best practice
1: oh man um I'll tell you this, I like to get up early, and then that way, I have about two hours of no phone calls, no text messages, or anything else like that. So I try to tackle the most important things. First, I try to schedule most of my calls in the afternoon because uh, i'm I'm a morning person uh, in terms of like when my brain is working the best. Um, the other thing is just write get a piece of paper, write down what needs to get done, and start executing.
0: Like there's really no magic formula. Just do it. Okay, So, so how many things do you write down because I finished, oh. I think it's Steve Ferris's audio book, the the four hour work week. Uh, Yeah. Tim Ferris. Yep. Tim Ferris. Thank you. Um, so I, I, I do abide by the list of four, because if you put low hanging fruit on there, how important really is it? And then after those four, you kind of reassess how, what's your list look like? Are you a longer list guy or a short list? It depends on the day. I mean, sometimes it's pretty darn long and it leaks into the next day,
1: but it, it, uh, it's weird because everything is so dynamic. And even on the side of real estate, things like when the market was really, really, really hot, it was super crazy. Um, now things are starting to cool off a little bit. So it's, uh, a little bit more manageable but yeah it's uh i don't want to give the illusion i get everything
0: done because i don't <laughs> fair enough fair enough now you had texted me uh when we were setting this up you were doing some hunting this weekend and obviously we had a cold front come through um i did see a decent amount of bucks hit the dirt not not the the push of what i'll call like an october 20th onward cold front but yeah. definitely some deer died uh, how was the action for yourself
1: it was uh, pretty solid uh, that friday morning It was really good <clears throat> um first sit uh, on that farm that year and saw six bucks, a couple three-year-olds, a couple two-year-olds, and some some forkies scraping, rubbing, um, you know, scrapping. So it was a really fun, good, productive sit. Um, the rest of the weekend is kind of a little uneventful. And I think part of that is the green food sources were on fire. I know some guys that had really great success this past weekend, but I have the green food sources in some of these places, but I don't have the buck that I'm trying to kill right now. So it was kind of like I can go just to go. But I, I just assume this, let leave it alone for now.
0: Okay. So interesting that you talk green food sources. Um, I sat my small farm Sunday and actually I was kind of a doe mission and, and I did want to get some information if, um, oh, what I call the the G3 buck was, was maybe back. Um, and I won, I, I had those in there, oh, three out of five days this week. It just wasn't that morning. Um, let me ask this. Cause you hunt, uh, I'll, I'll call it a lot of like real person type properties. Uh, my farm's 20 acres. I think now I've got some of the best habitat on the block. How often do you see maybe a small piece gather a buck in either the second half of October or maybe even late season? Obviously, November, I'm going to kind of throw out the window because it's just one hot dough can bring anything in. But, but do you ever see farms like that gather uh, either late October or late season? Yeah, easily one of the most productive times of these small farms can be so great late October.
1: And the reality is he's probably not that far away from the parcel you're on, but he just starts to venture out a little bit more. And he's spending a little bit of time on your farm where it's still a really hard buck to kill, or even a hard buck to get an opportunity at, but at least he is spending more time uh, on that particular parcel. And that's usually an association with the scrape, uh, at least what I key in on. Cause a lot of these, you can't put food on or you're kind of just relying on, are they going to do alfalfa or are they going to do corn? Are they going to do beans? And so it's always changing, but, uh, yeah some of these some of these small parcels is really 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 productive later in that you know second half of october
0: okay so maybe so so i i i pulled two cards that were um semi close together i i did not go for the the super invasive it's it's a timber lot so if i'm gonna go 400 yards deep to the bottom i i don't like to do that very often um so so okay that gives me a little hope on a personal note here um (laughs) So I, I I may pop over there and, and pull that card here in, in the second half, uh, knowing he may not be fully gone, or maybe he starts showing up a little more. But let's talk scrapes. And, and I wanted to, this will go out, I think, this week. And okay. obviously, we are getting into that time frame. You, uh, being that you've worked in the trail cam space for so long, a lot of personal data, hunting at a high level. Man, let's, let's start with, honestly, let's start with the mid-October. Um, do you see... A super productivity increase here now that we are let's see here it's the 10th now but i gotta believe i think i've killed a buck on a scrape on the 17th of october but i just feel like the the, that is almost a mile apart as far as i'm concerned what do you feel about like the 10th through the 15th as far as scrapers are concerned and what have you seen yeah the 10th through the 15th pretty
1: tough in terms of actually killing a big buck on a scrape um that's just from a lot of trail cameras. And, but what excites me is if you're getting a buck on a scrape, let's say between the 10th and 15th, that next cold front rolling in could be an awesome, awesome opportunity to potentially kill that buck. And I think like I've had two new bucks show up uh, on one farm the last 24 hours. Okay. So that's good. Yeah. What's the next step? Okay. Well, I think they're going to be on this scrape at that time. So it's like kind of predicting and it's a, a shot in the dark a little bit, but I think uh, just looking beyond the 15th, we have a really, really good cold front coming in Illinois. And that really excites me. I think there's going to be some big bucks killed off scrapes. That's I'll be, I'll be set up on scrapes. I mean, that's
0: yeah. uh, if, if, a, if a guy is sitting here, maybe he's got access to some public, some private, but like maybe doesn't have some scrape type information do you think the plus the the plus minus, right, the the intrusion factor of going and looking, one, looking for a scrape to locate, or maybe you've got one marked on your pins that you're like, oh, there was a good scrape down there, but I don't have a camera currently. Do you think the information you get in that card, um, I'm going to go card camera because cell cam, like the, the, you kind of rule that out, but like okay, you're going to intrude, but you're also going to get a lot in return here in the next week or two. Do you think that 10th through the 15th, it's worth, Hey, I may bump something or I may educate something from ground scent because of the ROI. That's hundred percent of my strategy is going to be this week. Um, so, um, on
1: one particular farm, there's no food and it's, it's kind of challenging to hunt, but with this last cold front, I know a lot of scrapes were made. So, okay. So I'm going to go in and try to find some scrapes that, uh, show that there's some mature bucks putting down sign. And so I think that's, for that person that's what they would that's what they should do go check the card go find a scrape if they haven't done so try to correlate it back to betting in some form or fashion uh, they those seem to be a little bit more productive so that's uh the other thing and then the guy that made a note an onyx in february when he was scouting 100 mm-hmm. like nine i'll say eight out of ten times that's the one you want to be on that late october time frame like you know it in like when we look at scrapes, it's just like this is it. Like I don't know how to explain it, but this is it. I guarantee it. And so a lot of times cameras do correlate that. Now going into killing them is a whole other challenge, but you're you should have the opportunity to at least be in the best position possible for that time frame.
0: Okay, that I think that's going to help me. My plan actually, I think either Wednesday, Thursday this this week was to um, go to a piece and in, in pull a couple of cards. I I, I have hardhorn picks of a buck that i'd I'd like to know what he's doing but my thought is is if i run to a couple of these scrape cams that that i think the front's going to hit here sunday monday it's like i can make a pretty educated sit even if maybe i am going to leave some ground set um Mm -hmm. let me ask this personal question you and chad obviously um run a lot of cams do you think big woods to farm this time frame does it does does the big woods maybe get a few extra pit, daylight picks on on scrapes now mid October because that's a focal point. You know I don't have a ton of experience to make a, a comment
1: on that, but I think it would make sense. I also think it's more challenging to have that good access to where you can get in and out in a big wood setting for a scrape. But I do think it could definitely make more sense that, um, you know I, I I think back and forth on that. I would assume it, a community scrape and everything else. It's probably relating to how many mature bucks are in the area that are laying down sign or wanting to check for those first does coming into heat. So I think it might be more dependent on how many, how target rich the environment is.
0: Yeah. Cause like every year, like I pull a lot of uh, cards on scrapes and it's like, dude, if, am I overthinking things? And if, if I know I'm going to get like 15 bow hunts in, in October, if I set a scrape, every one of them, like chances are one of those, those times, like a shooter for me is going to come through yeah. Versus like the other night, dude, I tried to set out right outside of bedding with a white oak behind. Like, I'm like, you know, a much more complicated setup. Um, uh-huh. it's like, dude, like maybe I was just overthinking it a little bit. Like maybe I just <laughs>
1: numbers game. The, the essence of whitetail hunting, overthinking it. I'm so guilty of it. It's uh, it's so easy to do, but I mean, in reality, I would say anyone listening to this, think of like, where do I have the most shooter buck? If you're not trying to kill a specific buck, where do I have the most shooter bucks? okay where is the best piece of sign in that area okay hunted on the cold front like that's those are
0: three pretty simple steps to at least be in the game where i think we can overcomplicate it sometimes now let me ask this jake um october scrape detail how much more excited or, or and you might be able to see this like okay this buck hit a scrape once and then he perused through like one or two times late october but if he hits it twice before october 10th you're like dude the 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 amount of daylight of photos I got of him was three times what the other book was. Do you see that? As far as I don't get too giddy until I get two occurrences of a buck. Uh huh. You know, I don't. I that's a that's a piece of
1: data I really need to follow. I would say that's really important. I, this is something I do see often. Is late October between let's say, and this is kind of a wide time frame, but let's say like the twenty third to Halloween. If I get this happens almost every year, I get a video of a giant. I have no clue just shows up that deer is there in november like the first part of november like every single time and a lot of it's it's different time frames i think where he's really aggressively searching for that first doe and then what in a couple some occurrences it's here in illinois like let's say the 10 11 12 13th is sometimes be really really boring meaning all the bucks are locked down on does but that buck that was going outside of a different area a lot of times they're in there during that time frame, and a lot of times revisiting that same exact scrape. So that's something to really consider as you're checking cards of like, okay, well giant buck in the middle the night. That really doesn't, you know, I'm not too excited about that.
0: Don't give up on it. Okay. See now, because like I, like I just described, like that I would have kind of tossed that aside, like, Oh, he's just on a, on a mission, but it sounds like he's now moved into the block and now he's got to scout out his does and he's probably a little more killable than, than I would think. Um, but I would, yeah, I would be interested to me. I, I start getting really giddy if I have a buck walk by a camera twice before October 15th on, on a, on a scrape. Cause yeah. I, I, I had somebody, um, Weston, I, I can't think of his last name, but he, um, he was telling me he likes the rule of, okay, if, if a buck is, has walked by your camera or got on camera, he's probably walked within 50 yards of that camera three times for every one picture.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm like, Hmm. Now, you, you, if you get like a repeater, I'm like, dude, like that's that's a lot weird. of time. Yeah, yeah, that. And honestly, I had just heard that January of this year, that three to one ratio kind of thing, and I'm I'm definitely like a little more. Um, I I like that thought because I have seen, um, you know, the the scrape's the place to be, and the, and there's like, I don't know, literally watch deer go around it, and and they come onto the shelf and move right off it. It just it takes a lot, especially I run a lot of elevated sets that you they got to step right there. Yeah, um, one one of the biggest downfalls of elevated sets for sure, dude. It is it is a nightmare. It, it, it from a time perspective, and then the uh, just the angle you are not you are not working with a lot. Um, you you still run a decent amount of elevated sets because you were somebody that told me that early on. Be like, dude, these elevated sets, uh, you, you know, you had spoke to me on the side. Yeah,
1: a hundred percent. Even on like uh, private farms, I still do just because I think you get better data. Um, but yeah, I agree. Like you're not covering as much distance, and the provide it provides new challenges. But I just, I don't, I just when I look at people's like they send me a picture and like and you can tell it's just like a thigh high camera placed like right on the corner. And that's like, I just, I don't do those anymore. I really don't. I, tr- I really try to conceal my cameras and you're, uh, you're
0: on the Jeff Sergis team of, of hide that thing when you can. Yeah, I,
1: I am. But there's times for, I wish I could just slap it right on the fence post right on the edge and, and not, <laughs> not uh, follow that, that feedback, but it's kind of ingrained in the strategy, but there's definitely fallbacks on that, but it's like pure data versus like spooked. What the heck is that data? Yeah. I take the pure data any day.
0: Yeah. 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 Okay. So we're, we're going to make a, a little mini pivot off, off scrapes, um, but when you walk through the woods and and, and trail cam wise, right, the solid colored trail cams stick out way more. You than, think so? Oh, not even close. As uh, have you noticed that? I noticed the
1: Trek blends in really well. And I noticed the lift to and render, I I think it sticks out a little bit more. But um I don't know. I, I might have a varying opinion on that.
0: Okay, so I am I am complete. <laughs> team camo cameras um and into the fact i even like touch up the the i use a lot of stick and picks i even touch those up with just a a, a, sure. a shot or two of brown just so it's not one solid color because now if i've got a solid camera and a solid stick and pick like those it, do it stick out yeah so so my <sighs> thought is i think it translates to you know this non-camo trend that is is super popular uh-huh and as a as a guy that walks through the woods because like you know we've we've had elevated cameras where your pins were not as accurate as can be and then you spend 20 minutes zigzagging 100% you can see the solid camera way better man you're going to go different fe- that's good
1: feedback oh, i don't know i mean there's been time for i run the trek and i'm like man that thing blends in really well but then there's that i took some green some brown and some black and like put some lines through it with paint mm-hmm. and that thing does blend in better than just a solid trek but i think uh i don't know man i I like the solid, tr- I like so, that brown.
0: So, so yeah, yeah, um, I will say that. I, I think it does too depend on like the the, the face of it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have some some small camo cameras that they definitely blend in way better than solid. So so I sure. am team, and then as a bow hunter, I'm like, dude, I see a lot of guys wearing these solids. I'm kind of like, man, I kind of think I'm gonna, gonna I, I think camo has its place. So you're not a solids guy nah, when you're wearing eh, clothes. Unless I'm scouting. And I kind of okay. don't want people to know what I'm doing, um, and I even may wear uh, purposely wear like the olive DNR green, you know, because I don't want any <laughs> problems. Run away from you, run yeah, away from you. Well, yeah, or like a local like messing with it, you, you know. I, I very much, yeah, yeah. If I'm just shed hunting, scouting, uh, I want to appear as a hiker. That's you need to like uh, get a custom embroidered like. I support Ohio,
1: so you're not like imitating, but like right, right. <laughs> that looks like a Let me get hat. my own
0: <laughs> logo that that is uh, yellow paint and, and and semi to the the icon of your state. Yeah, you you need to make a a, a one off of the Whitetail Experience uh, scouting hat. Just a <laughs> scouting hat, and sell it online. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's a good thought. All right, Jake, I'm, I, we're going to pivot back in here. Let's go for the uh, let's call it the 15th uh, through the 24th. <clears throat> What do you see as far as some of the the trends in scrape data? Maybe mornings versus evenings. Is that is that an, a, a trend you may throw two cents at? Because I've killed two bucks I think in the evenings, but honestly, I think my trail cam data maybe shows the opposite. As far as like it, it seems to be a morning game. The final fives to six days of October.
1: Yeah, I I would agree with that. I think evenings. I think evenings provide a better opportunity for actually killing the deer. They may be more active in the morning, but it's still challenging to have really good solid access in the morning, uh, depending on, I mean, obviously this depends on what part of the country you're in, but like some of the farms I hunt it's, it's suicide to go in in the morning, like before first light, you're going to scare a bunch of deer Mm -hmm. uh, where it's okay. They're positioned, they're bedded, and you know, they're going to get up one a munch, go to food. And so that's where I think it's a little bit more predictable, but, uh, even the hunt Friday morning, I had really good access to where I felt solid with that with morning access. That'll be a scrape. I'll definitely hunt in the morning. If, the data starts showing that but um overall i I would agree that evenings seem to be a better opportunity to actually kill one but i do think depending on the location of the scrape mornings may be more active but
0: it provides another set of challenges okay and the 15th through i'm gonna call it 24th is that still you gotta have a front you gotta have a rain you you need something if it's a random tuesday with average temperatures and no you know barometers average like it's yeah. probably not, not the strike time.
1: I mean, they'll still, I've had like the outliers, like, absolutely. Yeah. They'll still hit it. So it's like, if you have the opportunity to go and you feel good about it, go, I'm not the one to tell you what to do, but mm-hmm. I'm going to try to coordinate it with a cold front honey, A lot of these smaller parcels where it's like, I need to try to be as efficient as possible. I want my farm to have the least amount of pressure ideally, but I still want to be lethal. It's, it's a, this constant battle that I really, really struggle with of like, you got to go to kill them. Mm-hmm. But you also want to go at the most opportune time where you have an opportunity. So it, I mean, it's a battle that it's something I battle with every single day, like this time of year I'm thinking, well, well what do you do? Do you push into, so the, the longest short of it is rambling a little bit is like, yes, if you feel good about it and you think you have the historical data possibly, or you have the right wind where you can hunt that scrape where you typically can't, maybe you can only hunt it on a South wind, which means, you know, it's going to be warm. We'll go hunt it.
0: Cause, yeah, you, cause you may not, you may wait till that final week of October and never get your South wind. Exactly. So I think that goes into a lot of it too. Okay. Okay. Um, let's talk about daylight action. And you said you don't feel uh, there, there's a huge trend mornings versus evenings. But is there is the twenty fourth the date where it's going to happen at this point? Uh, twenty fourth and twenty fifth are probably the most
1: active scrape days year over year, no matter okay. what. So I would. I would agree that it's a great time.
0: One, uh November are, 1 are you shifting starting to shift to non-scrape hunting? I don't know. I've killed a lot of deer on like the November
1: 3rd I've killed multiple bucks on a scrape still. Yeah. So it's like go ahead, sorry. No, no, no.
0: I'm I'm waiting on this one.
1: Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, yes and no. I mean, a lot of it's still in relation to, to doe bedding and everything else, but I mean, I, dude, I'm hunting scrapes basically the whole year. I'll be honest, whether it's right or wrong, like there's, there's always a reason to be on a scrape depending on the farm, depending on the terrain, depending on how many bucks in the area. That's just my, that's just my opinion. I mean, even I've had big bucks hitting scrapes in January. Well, I mean, okay, you can't bait. And if I don't have a good food source, mm-hmm. well, that's probably one of the best and most pre- predictable spots for that particular farm. So I just think uh, as people are listening to this, they don't obviously this is the peak time for scrape opportunities, but don't overlook it later in the year, too, because there's still there's still chances there as bucks get off their first doe and looking for the next one, they're probably going to be correlating some sort of scrape when uh, all the does that didn't get bred the first time they're probably gonna be correlating with some sort of scrape when a yearling goes into heat, they're probably gonna be correlating with some former fashion of a scrape. So that's mm. kind of what my thoughts are
0: yeah uh, and i think out of the last five years i have made the mistake of november hits and it's it's so easy to be like i'm gonna go hunt pinch points uh doe bedding and kind of abandon some of the scrape game but if i look at my photos and and kind of getting back to that trend we talked about literally 10 minutes ago it's like dude if i get 10 even if i just have 10 bow hunts in november and i hunted a scrape on all of them i kind of like my chances yeah um, for shooting a good buck, maybe not a specific deer, but but sure. yeah, um, I think out of the last five years, I need to be staying on those scrapes until at least here in in, in Ohio, fifth, sixth, seventh, and then there's like a seven day break, and then I I, I still see a lot of good good bucks um right around like the fifteenth through the end of the month, like they yeah. they they find them whether they're wandering or they're revisiting, I I, I think. I think it's definitely worth uh, staying on. Heck, I missed the biggest buck I've ever missed. Came in and hit a scrape November first morning. Um, so
1: yeah, I and I that's it's tough to like shoeboxes because there's some scrapes that on different farms that I wouldn't even touch at a certain time of the year. And then there's some that like okay yeah you know there's this there's so many nuances. And I think the more cameras you run, the more you can draw your own conclusions. The more effective you are in making these decisions. Because I've made a ton of mistakes and spent time on scrapes that were done. But like as you learn through the process of like, okay, well, don't discount this one yet based off of maybe two or three different reasons. So that's, I guess, something to consider as people are like cataloging all their scrape data this year. Yeah. Keep it in mind down the road and what areas were good later on and everything else.
0: Yeah. One of my favorite um, oh pieces of data, I sent it to a buddy today. He was trying to make the call on uh, the, this cold front coming up or not. And I'm like, look, I took a, I took the clips and I sped them all up real fast or whatever to like four times speed. But I literally kind of trimmed all the fat and I've just, now I've got like a 60 second video of what that scrape did from like October 15th through the batteries died in like late November. Yeah. But it, it's kind of, you, 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 you see it, you literally see what happens. Um, I don't even know where I was going with that, but I it just, that's it, a it sweet just, video. Oh, yeah, I, I I have to send it or whatever. But like, yeah, it's, it's crazy now. Oh, volume shooting. That was something I was going to ask you about. As all oh, one, we talked about elevated sets and high, high oh, failures and issues. I am a big proponent nowadays. Of now that I've got a little better trail cam army of volume shooting, um, where I'm not afraid to hang cameras 50 yards apart, 40 yards apart. Um, yeah. Do you see that as a good practice Uh, in you're more of a farm country guy, but you're, you're also very detail oriented with, with what you got going on. Are you still volume shooting some of these farms and and the scrape, and then also a trail or in a pinch that's 50 yards away?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, And a lot of that goes through like a discovery phase of, okay, this is a new area or this is a new farm. I want to learn this thing literally as fast as possible and, and catalog all the bucks, all the activity, all the trends that I can And uh, like, there's been times where I have my Onyx and there's like four pins right next to each other, like all of them. And they're like, you have that many cameras right there. It's like, yeah. And all of them tell me different things. And so I think, uh, you know, everyone doesn't have the luxury of running a lot of cameras, but absolutely. I think you can just learn so much um, by having more eyeballs out there and being strategic with it too. I mean, like some of those I didn't check until the end of the year, or like some of them are not very uh, intrusive. So but yeah, absolutely. I think a uh, brand new farm, you, you shotgun that or new area, you shotgun and learn it as much as possible. And then like down the road, you can dial back some of those. I think a lot of times once you kind of get a bead on what's going on, but or if there's a really specific buck you want to try to kill and you're trying to learn as much as possible. Well, yeah, <laughs> hang more cameras in there and monitor literally everything you can to not to the point of where it limits your ability to shoot them. Like there's a fine line there too. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't want someone to listen and go to Walmart and buy 15 Tascos and put it on 20 acres, but there's, there's a fine line there and, and not say I don't cross sometimes or, you know, like, so just keep that in mind.
0: Yeah. 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 I, I run three now on my uh, my 18 acres or whatever, because uh, I, for years, I, I, I only had one camera. I said, I only need one camera. Higgins. I think he's got a rule like one per 50 acres or something like that. And like, but, like, I think in these hill countries and these ridge systems, uh, even in the big woods, like, I can run cameras with invisible eyesight of each other. They will gather two different groups of shooter bucks. Like, I'm talking, let's call it two 130s down here and then, like, a 140 up here with another, like, I don't know, heavy 145.8. Like, it's just, like, crazy. And then they never, they never went on, on the other's cameras. It was like there was an invisible fence between those two scrapes. Um, it, I agree it, with that. It's wild. It- there's a,
1: there's one particular farm that I hunt. It's broken up into, let's say a 25 acre chunk and let's say an 80 acre chunk. <clears throat> and then there's a farm in between the middle. So it's kind of like an L and the bucks that I get on this little piece. And then the pucks I get on, like, there's not much, you get completely different bucks and different time frames and everything else. But like during the summer, you typically there's, it seems, it seems like over there, it gets a little bit more refined as hunting pressure increases and everything else. But that's just, I couldn't agree more. The more eyeballs huh. you have out there, the better.
0: Okay. Uh, okay. I'm going to pivot here. I had a, I had a note. I wanted to circle back to uh, Jake. Why do we even run trail cams in June and July? Because for me, and this is like over the last three to four years, it's like one August, like 20th, 20th hits. And it's like, all of a sudden I get good bucks to show up. I get number of occurrences of bucks to, to dramatically increase. You know, for years I've heard the July fourth date is so important. I I'll be honest, I don't think so. I, I I feel like there's obviously something that happens there in late August. And and it, it this is across counties. This is multiple friends that have maybe four or five camps. I'm like, dude, I don't even look necessarily too hard at the July photos anymore.
1: That's I mean, this year, I put up my cameras later than ever this year. A lot of that was a product of just uh, t- time issues. Uh, Maybe that project you guys
0: were working over there at Exodus, a whole new, uh, <laughs> venture.
1: Yeah. So just, I would say, uh, I don't know. I still get some really good data like that third week of July. Okay. out of the, ear market. the other thing to consider too, is like, let's say you're chasing a specific buck and you confirm that he's in live in July. Okay. Take that worry out of your mind. And now it's like, okay, he showed up the third week, of October. So I okay check, yeah you're not, you're not waiting on that buck to show up in october to know he's alive like you're already anticipating them to be there because you know he's alive in july so that's one caveat for sure but i mean honestly a lot of the bucks i kill they show up late october and i kill them the first week of november like like okay. i i mean that's just a, a trend and that's uh here like i said i am really excited to check cameras the next seven days because i'm hoping a lot of new bucks show up
0: and then okay what is uh this is an oddball funny question what is the what is the oddest or craziest or maybe a couple cool videos that stick out in your mind? Cause you're a big video guy for, for the, the scrape yes. cams. Like, did you ever pull a card and go, what in the hell is this?
1: Um, I'll tell you, this one's actually kind of crazy. Um, I'm glad it wasn't on video mode. <clears throat> so one of the farms is a little pull off. There's not a lot of places. There are so many people that pee on this camera all the time. They pull in and they pee and thank God I haven't seen anything crazy, but it's like, that is something that was like, I put this camera here as kind of just a general security and I actually get a lot of deer on there. And I pulled it like, what the hell? Like what does that person do? And so that's something that happens a lot that I wish didn't happen Yeah. in terms of, uh, in terms of video. Um, there's been a lot of really cool ones that, that come to mind. I'm trying to think of something that's just really, really strange. Um, I don't know. I mean, just bucks doing buck stuff sometimes is really surprising. Um, whether, how they just move, navigate terrain or when you have it on 25 seconds or how slow they really move or how fast they can mm-hmm. move. But um, I'm just trying to think you caught me off guard on this one. I'd have to go through
0: my archive. No, no. If that, really you good. laugh. You'll text me in like two days <laughs> and be like, Hey, this is what I should have said. hundred um, percent. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, any major aha moment, like th- this may not have happened within the last three or four years, but you, y- you know, you started to run cameras on scrapes. Like, did you just be like, dude, like, I wish I'd have known this three or four years ago. I would have killed a few more bucks. It, it, have you shared that thought on this podcast or? or...
1: I think probably, I mean, the one thing to really just dial in is <clears throat> if you get a giant buck that late October timeframe and you're discounting it and thinking that like your opportunity to kill the deer is, is really low. That's something that I've learned over time that like, don't, do not discount that. Like there's a couple different time frames where you might be able to make a move uh, when he's trying to find the next doe. That's one thing that I think is really important. Um, just do not discount quality scrape information and that's where it's like even like i said that 10 11 12 of november is one that's really interesting to me like if i see that deer show up on that time frame even if it's at night i'm probably going to be in that area because i think he's going to be looking for a doe or he'll be locked onto a doe but uh that's for sure one thing um absolutely and i'd say that 24th 25th 26th october like in your head think of like this man that was a crazy scrape hunt there Period. I think you'll okay. find success. Like, I think that is uh, really
0: important. Okay. Uh, I, I would say mine happened even like last year. I pulled, I, I still, you know, like I I pulled a camera and had a fluff piss in a, uh, not a super popular scrape, but she pe- peed in it. And it's, uh it's like December 7th or 8th, the next 48 hours on that camera. One, I didn't recognize any of the bucks from the October bucks that I had there, but like, The, I think there was three of them stick their head in there in daylight hours and and it lasts about 48 hours. I think four bucks came by, uh, three of which were in daylight in a, uh, not great deer population area. It's like, if, if I don't have a a tag punched and I have the opportunity to hunt that first week of December at all, the best thing I can do is run to three or four cameras, literally run through the woods. And, and, and if I've got a fluff, you gotta, Mm -hmm. you just hold on just hold on for the next 48 hours. Cause I, I do think it was, it was very cool to see um, on that camera, just what happened there. Um, it, it may be because it was video mode and not photos that it was much more impactful. That's um, a great point. <clears throat> I think uh,
1: it seems dumb, but I have more conviction in a spot when I watch a video than when I see it on a picture. I don't, that might just be my monkey brain, but I'm telling you I have more conviction of like, Oh, he's in there. Like, and it's so dumb. Cause if I looked at a picture, he's still there, but I agree. Have you
0: seen that too? Uh, yeah, I think I get more fired up, uh, oh, for sure. <laughs> but, but yeah, like, um, yeah, yeah, you just learn so much more in video. You don't have to explain the power of video to me, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I would agree that it, it it's so cool to, to, I don't know, uh, tell that story. Um, yeah yeah i'm i'm a big fan so jake let me pivot here you're uh somebody i have watched obviously you you work in the outdoor space but dude you have been on a streak of killing good bucks very consistently which which i very much admire i think consistency is such a important aspect but but dude you have to have something figured out in that final 10 15 seconds because that's pulling off the the shot and a lot of times i think most of your bucks are bow kills um do what do you have a, a good breakdown of your sequence or why you think you're able to 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 pull it off in that final 10 seconds
1: oh man i i don't know um i would say i'm pretty thankful i started bow hunting when i was really young i mean i think i shot my first deer with a bow at 9 years old so i okay. think that helps a lot but beyond that it's just uh, like once you make that decision like it's kill mode or it's kill time it's it's just on like you start uh you start grabbing your bow and they're still moving and everything else like there's some some little things but i what i love about archery hunting is all the uh checks and balance systems before you release the arrow like all right is my peep lined up with my sight do i have my anchor point okay now squeeze the squeeze the release like that sequence in itself i think is really important and uh
0: are are you uh, a guy that can stay uh conscious the the uh, final 10 Yeah,
1: I think so. I mean, I think so. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> if someone yeah. had a cam if someone had a camera, it might be a different sequence of what I remember, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can I, look at any any deer on the wall and I can like go straight in my mind of like everything. I've just like relive that moment instantly.
0: Okay. Um cuz it cuz I I don't think I've killed a ton of deer with a bow for my age at this point. I I have made, you know, some mistakes as far as I I shoot a lot of de- a does with a gun in years like kind of my college years and probably should have been doing it with a bow, but I've heard Kenyon talk about it and and Dan, and especially in the early uh, days that, you know, and I'm guilty of this where the pin hits the vitals and you just bow goes off and you kind of don't remember aiming. And, and now in the past couple of years, like I'm definitely more conscious during it um, understanding you, you have maybe a second or two longer my phrase is is hold it, keep it. Um, Mm. Obviously I've added a kit, the nose button, in a little bit bigger peep. But I, I I do have the phrase where I let that pin at least sit there for, even if it's only half a second, but the phrase, hold it, keep it, versus just, you know, vitals, boom, go. No, it's, it's hold it, keep it. You, do you have any mantra you're saying when they're coming in or thinking about things? Um, I don't know. I, I can tell you this, though. I'm a terrible shot with a gun, so
1: I tell, you, I tell you that right now. I like shooting deer with a bow more so because of those built-in systems of like anchor, and then you're shooting a freaking stick with a pointy thing at the end of it. And I feel like it takes so much more focus. And then with a gun, I honestly get just a little too relaxed. Of like, it's a bullet, it's a gun, boom, and I rush my shot with a gun like way too many. I've screwed up on so many big bucks with a gun. So I prefer the uh, the systems of archery hunting in terms of uh, keeping it cool. I just I just, uh, I don't know. I just try to be in the moment. I don't necessarily, I think I say like just stay calm is probably what I I would probably say to myself, but it's just, uh, it's like savoring the moment because that's what you've been waiting for. And knock on wood, I've never wounded and lost a buck. I did wound one and the neighbors ended up shooting it later, <clears throat> but my track record with the bow is pretty, pretty solid. I think the other thing too is, I think people force way too many shots with archery equipment. I really do. I think um, people think- it's just all my archery kills are like under 33 yards like that's for whatever reason for coincidence but i just think people force force shots too often and um i try to be extra cautious with my bow and maybe that's cost me opportunities but i'd also go to sleep knowing i didn't you know wound a buck that i never found and found it in february so that's one thought on that
0: yeah um i i won, have a 30 yard rule where um I feel like if if a buddy tells me a story of uh, of a bad situation generally that shot was taken at 30 plus yards. Um you know, I I I myself I'm a I'm a timber hunter. It seems like I've had a lot more encounters tight. I've actually missed more deer with a gun like you said than than a bow. It's, I think it's just dude, we, we don't go outside and shoot guns all that much, you know. Agreed. That too. Yeah. You shoot it you know a couple times to make sure it's on and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So 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 I'm with you there. Um now I know you're a big Heat Cisco uh fan or whatever and and yeah he him and i when we talked on the podcast we talked about the energy you give off as a bucks coming in um and you don't want to like go full assassin mode and you don't want to stare at his rack do you do you think that's true do you think deer have that little sixth sense that they pick up on you're trying to kill him up in the tree
1: i mean that makes sense because i feel like people have that too of like whoa vibes off here something's weird so um i've never when i heard that i was like gosh that's really freaking smart because the example was when you know you're not going to shoot a doe like the doe just meanders on life goes on but mm-hmm. when you're like oh, i'm gonna kill that doe it's like things get more squirrely 100 percent. so i mean i i think it's a it's a little empirical data like we don't have hard information on that but um, yeah. you know i'm i'm a believer of it and that's something i'm gonna try to focus on a little bit more this upcoming year
0: yeah yeah it's like remaining neutral um yes yeah yeah i i i i full believe it i i think they can pick up on on something in the the environment, the electrodes you're giving off—I don't know what it is, but 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 I I think they know when you're there to kill them and not. I would I hundred percent agree with that. Um, All right, let me pull up my uh, rapid fire here. Um, did did you think of the crazy uh, scrape no. video by ten, chance? Okay,
1: first scrape video. I mean, no. Um, there was one particular buck I was chasing this year that was confirmed dead uh, as of this weekend, that is just the biggest deer I've ever had an opportunity to chase and seeing that on video would be, uh, would be crazy. Uh, unfortunately, I'm, I'm probably not going to release that video for the public, but it is by far like the craziest insane thing I've ever seen. Um, and I probably, I don't know if I ever get a bigger deer on camera than that in my lifetime. So,
0: oh. no, I'm, I'm going to go the other way. I think you will. I just think, you know, it's, uh, it's going to take some, I'm, I'm young. I got a yeah. lot. Of, I mean, by, uh, yeah, that's where I was. Yeah. That's where I'm banking on it. You're young. So, all right, Jake, um, how do you like your
1: coffee? Um, I can drink it black, but I, I prefer to put a little bit of creamer in there when I'm at home.
0: Okay. Me too. Coffee or energy drink?
1: Uh, morning coffee, any other time of the day energy.
0: Okay. What is your meal of choice after you shoot a buck? Mm,
1: probably some fresh back straps, honestly.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, are you are you what is the beverage complimenting said dead buck
1: um it really depends i mean um i'm fine with cracking a few bush lights but i'm also fine just this another day kind of
0: okay summer beer of choice um
1: i'd say bush light yeah
0: okay wide buck or big brows
1: i think the wide the wide frame is is more impressive
0: yeah, I'm, I'm team like, dude, he can be a hundred inches. If he's 20 wide, he's going to die. <laughs> All right. Um, Do you have a favorite sports team? Are you a college guy? Or are you a NFL guy? Not really. Okay. No. That's fair. Um, frozen pizza of choice.
1: Really don't eat a ton of frozen pizza. Um, All right. What's your I, fa-
0: favorite pizza place where you're at then? I mean, you can't go wrong with a slice of Casey's pizza at any I- time yeah yeah you're not wrong what uh, topping a choice from casey's sausage okay um you're going on a road trip obviously with cribs and then what you do for you know traveling wise what is your favorite road trips like stops whether at a gas station or a certain food place
1: um there's a place in Albia, iowa uh bogey steakhouse yeah, uh, okay. if you're ever in that area, go there. That's uh that's a staple for sure. And whenever we go out in that part of the of the state, we try to coordinate a dinner there. And awesome, fantastic people that run that business.
0: Okay. What is the oh what is your favorite piece of content or sticking point that you have consumed in the last mm, I'm gonna say week, white tail wise. Oh man. <laughs> Um, I, I listen to Wired to Hunt a lot.
1: Um, mm-hmm. It was Tony Peterson of just like confidence kills big bucks. I think that's something that everyone needs to hear every time of year. But I know I mentioned it on our podcast multiple times. So I'm about seven days out from listening to the He Cisco podcast on YTL Legacy podcast from 2021. Like that's, a, that's my big buck Bible when it comes to this time of year.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. When I I, I heard uh, you guys talking about that, I kind of, um, maybe I should tune that back in there that final week of October. Um, okay. This, this is non-hunter related. What is the best purchase you have made in the last six months? This can be a $20 item, a couple hundred dollar item. What is your favorite purchase that you've made in the last six months?
1: Mm. Oh, man. The last six months. Man. I mean, honestly, I, I just I can't say it's the best purchase yet, but I did buy a new muzzleloader um, okay. last week. So I'm excited to shoot it. Um, what would you go with? Paramount, CBA okay. Paramount. Oh. And uh, a really nice scope to top it, VX5 loophole, and so it's a that's I'm hoping that's my gun killing gun for 20 years. So I'm really excited about that. It's something I've pushed off buying for many years, okay. and uh, I finally said I'm I'm just gonna do it. So okay, what well, uh, what
0: caliber and what's the stats
1: on the scope? Uh, 45 caliber, and it's a three by 15 scope with 52 millimeter uh, front. End. So a lot of a lot of natural light, really good. Huh. Uh, it'll be the best piece
0: of glass i've ever ran so i'm really excited about it nice nice yeah i uh, uh i i went a little bit better i had a cva wolf for years i think that was i, I might have bought that before i bought a shotgun because then i could get it for for deer season and then muzzle season yep and i bought it for like 200 back in the day and there was some cheap bush nail scope on it but dude like i hit a bottle of deer piss with that thing at 150 yards and it, it could outshoot me dang you know, that's like, good. yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that was one legendary shot from that gun. But like, <laughs> as far as a hundred yard deer gun, that thing was amazing. And and I did upgrade last year. Um, So, so yeah, a better muzzleloader is a solid, solid weapon of choice. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm excited for it. And that it's <laughs> thankfully like a muzzleloader is not super crazy to shoot too. So that's something I want I want to do more as like we talked about being crappy with a gun. That's something I want to become extremely proficient with this gun and shoot it often.
0: Okay. Are you going powder or pellets? So you got to use Blackhorn
1: 209. Yep. Uh, And so I had a, dude, there's a shortage on that. And that's what kept me from buying this last couple, last two years. I'm like, well, you know, like I can't find the powder. I said, forget it. I went on gunbroker.com and paid through the nose to get Blackhorn 209. So um, that's something really annoying just about muzzlers is like, they make all these great guns but like to get everything that you need to shoot it is really challenging right now like even the remington 700 ultra like they use these special um primers made by remington and they're almost impossible to find so it's like
0: uh, frustrating yeah i uh i run a, a blackhorn 209 load in my my gun now and um that stuff's really um it's super nice as far as non-corrosive very clean and consistent and that was something when i got into muzzle overheading even back in um Uh, the college days when I bought that wolf is the guy was telling me to buy the powder one dollar per shot it was way better and then you're you the fact that you're consistently measuring I think like I think I was shooting 90 grains Mm -hmm. um, of loose powder and it burnt it it burns way more efficient than the pellets do and so he's like yeah it's just if 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 you're willing to measure this is definitely the route to go and so that that's what i went down and and yeah now i've got the blackhorn and my muzzleloader likes it a lot more than that old wolf that that old wolf had some hang fires and stuff like that it just wasn't the breech plug wasn't right for it mm-hmm. so very cool man well hey jake i appreciate you coming on the podcast i know you're a busy guy got a lot of things in the plate um you know from new products getting released and everything uh you know we are a budget cam guys any news on that end uh, we're working hard. I'll leave All it right. Back. Thanks, we're Jake. I appreciate hard. you coming on the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.